Hello and welcome to another episode of the Two Medics podcast. My name is Imran Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist. And hi, I'm Tushigun Wardner. I'm a cardiology registrar, subspecializing in intervention. And this has been a very long time since we last did a podcast together. When was the last time we were, we're not technically sitting in the same room, but no. same digital space, as it were? Yeah, so three weeks. Is it three weeks now? At least. Yeah, three weeks. Yeah. You did an episode, then I did an episode. And you did an episode oh yeah yeah and i was pretty yeah i was pretty you know that for the last episode i felt like i really didn't do as good a job as i could have i literally had 30 minutes before i had to go to the airport like i just had to go and then right. and then the other episode was like i was actually absolutely exhausted trying to trying to make it remotely interesting but anyway it is what it is i was trying to keep the it's difficult yeah it? it can be i don't think people realize how much work this can be sometimes especially when you're you're juggling your own calls and yeah i'm just working all the time yeah and yeah it can be in the midst of the most yeah. wonderful time of the year where everyone's striking and <laughs> doing christmas shopping yeah exactly it is how is your christmas shopping going how's christmas going it's going really well so i get well stressed about i love christmas but then in my head mm. i think there's lots of i have lots of ideas in my head of how i want it to be and so it gets built up to this big thing but then it turns into a bit of pressure so consequently like months in advance, I'm a bit like, oh, like, what am I going to get people? And then I'm like, once I've got the presents, like they need to be wrapped. And do I have proportional presents for like different members of my family? And that does suck a bit of the joy <laughs> out of it until I've sorted it yeah. all out. So I actually ended buying all of the presents pretty much on the November payday and they're mm. all wrapped. So I'm, my, my presents are, Whoa, yeah, you literally. are on point. But like when it happens, I feel like there's a massive weight off my chest. And I don't, I just would hate, I hate it when I hate going into, I hate going to shops and there's lots of people there. Like when you're on Oxford street and you're just like surrounded mm. by people, that really mm. stressful, like queuing for ages at the till and just feel really hot and uncomfortable, loads of bags and stuff. So I like prefer to do most of it online. I prefer to have it sorted out ages before and then just forget about it because also mm. it's cool. Like when people open their presents and you can't quite remember what you got them <laughs> like, oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I do make a list through the year. Of if mm. someone says something like this or whatever, I'll write it down. Like, this would be like a good thing to get them or whatever. And I put it in a little save document on my phone. For like, Joe anyway, like I knew what I was going to get her probably in like May, I think. Oh, that's um, so good. You're yeah. so organized, mate, honestly. That's so good. I'm so terrible at presents, honestly. Like my brother-in-law is into Star Wars and every single year I just buy him something Star Warsy. I bet he loves I mean, it. Not for his birthday. No, I think he's a bit like, oh God, here we go, another Star Wars thing. My sister's a bit like, oh, here we go, Imran, like why? Because no, I bought him yeah. a Baby Yoda the other day and he's like, mm. he actually said, what am I going to do with this? No way. Oh, what it's a Baby say. Yoda. Like, why would you not want Baby Yoda? And he was like, but it was like a hard one. It wasn't a soft one. It was like, a, it looked like the proper Baby Yoda and he actually sent it back. Yeah. He sent it back. Oh, he sent it back. I can't believe, and he told you that. See, that's not reinforcing your behavior, is it? Because that just sucks <laughs> the joy out of you getting him another gift. Um, no, but he was right. I didn't put that much thought into it. I just thought, ah. Oh, Star Wars. Star Wars. But say, for example, if I was going to pick a gift for you, it'd probably either be something to do with your kind of environment. So something relating to your comfort. So obviously, like, you spend a lot of time at a desk. Yeah, so it might be something <laughs> you know, something gadgety. So there's that. Or yeah. knowing you, like, you'd probably appreciate something to do with the gym. Or, like, into Back to the Future and stuff. So Back maybe, to the like, Yeah, exactly. Right? You can't go... Yeah. But if I was to get you... Even though you probably get loads... Of, you've probably got... You're probably the resourceful type of person who, if you think of something you like, you probably get it yourself. But how often would you be, get a gift and be like, why'd you get me this? I don't know. It seems... <laughs> no, I think I could see where it's coming from. It was quite a hard gift, and he couldn't really let his daughter play with it. And it was uh, quite okay. big. 
So like, where were you going to put it? You know what I mean? Like, it was a bit like, oh, I don't know about that one. Like, All right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> That's actually my fear. Did you say it to your fear? Like my fear, because I was reading about, basically, I have this thing where even though I spend ages thinking about a gift for someone, I'm like, mm. um, terrible for watching, like for looking for reactions of that person opening the present. So I'll be scrutinizing them. Re- like obviously on the slide like i won't be like right in their face but on the slide i'll be side-eyeing mm. just being like is there any sign of disappointment is there any sign of disappointment is there any sign of disappointment? <laughs> and if there is i'm crushed i'm like inside i'm like oh my god so i think that's probably also where some of the nervous energy comes from so with that in mind like i definitely even if i got a present that i hated i'd be like yeah it's a bit oh my god like i wanted it and then just like on the slide yeah just send it back get rid of it Get rid of it. <laughs> I mean, speaking of presents, Thrusha, wasn't there a tweet about a present of porridge? Because I saw the porridge became a big thing this week, wasn't it? Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. Explain the porridge thing. What was going on there? Gruelgate, as it were. Yeah. I feel like people... So the thing was, is that I saw a lot of... Used to the, when we used to begin... When we were beginning to do the podcast, sorry. Like, I feel like I had my finger on the pulse of everything that was happening on Med Twitter. And so, like, mm. when stuff... When people, like, had a little in-joke... I'll be like, yeah, I know what that's about. I'll do a little, like, in the me, in the no meme and stuff. But I'm, like, off the pulse. And so I was thinking about all these kind of tweets about gruel and porridge and stuff. And I was like, what is this about? I actually quite like porridge. So I quite enjoy porridge, like, after nights. And, like, I have some, like, mm. fond memories, like, growing up of, like, my dad. Like, when it was winter, my dad would make porridge on the hob. And mm. it was just something that he'd do really well. And he had honey, too. And these days, with his bees, and he makes it with his own honey. And it's lovely. So I was mm. like, what is all this porridge stuff? And then it's only then that I realized, just stumbling upon some quote tweets, of, mm. So there was this NHS trust that basically was offering free porridge to all members of staff. And that's mm. the key bit, really. All members of staff were mm. able to have a free bowl of porridge. And that was met with a lot of, is it like, frankly, dis- frankly disdain. It was really just... Yeah, um, I was offended. Do you like porridge? No, it's not lactose-free, so how am I going to have that? Thanks a lot, but no thanks. That's the issue. Is that, is that, that what it is? You can have it with oat milk. You can have it with water. You know, the Scottish people out there are like, oh, I only drink, I only have it with water and salt. I'm like, all right, God, yeah. Okay, we get it. You're Scottish. So it was a, it was at the University Hospitals of Leicester, if you guys want to check it out. There was mm. a, there was a tweet. Oh, should I say? The thing was, is that the initial tweet about it was really quite negative. It says there implication was in lieu of adequate reimbursement and on the basis that you probably can't afford to heat your homes at the moment we will be providing gruel throughout the winter months no seconds oh god but anyway they had a shot a picture of the kind mm. of poster for the scheme so university of hospitals of leicester free porridge mm. for colleagues fresh free cooked porridge is now available to colleagues at all three of our main site hospitals simply show your id badge at the tills between 7 a.m and 11 a.m throughout december and january thank you for all that you do and so if you wanted to see like a positive take on it anyway at heartland joseph he tweeted about it and he said this is for all staff not for just medics so imagine your colleagues reliant on food banks to you snubbing your nose an incentive that actually can help take care of vulnerable staff who for many reasons maybe what my issue is why if you're an employer and you know that you've got vulnerable staff that aren't getting paid enough to be able to even heat their homes and feed themselves then porridge isn't really the answer you need to look at the bigger picture here like why have your own staff in the situation that's that you're meant to be if you've got an employee and they're struggling to even live you're not saying that okay everyone can have everything that they ever wanted and stuff like you're saying like the reason people are working is to have a home and to be able to eat at the very base level and if you can't provide that even though people are working for you then i do think that there's something wrong there pay them more 
Yeah, 100%. And I think maybe the reason that people might get upset is it's the same old thing that I've joked about, not joked about, but I've said before, is that people, when you, it's always going to be about money, right? It, that's what, right. that's the argument. Like, why are we not getting paid enough? And as soon as you say, oh, no, but I'll give you free breakfast. No, I don't want your free breakfast. Give me the money. Oh, what about free tea bags? <laughs> I don't want your free tea bag. Just pay me money. What about free parking? No, I don't want the free parking. Just pay me my 20% extra. And do you think that's part of the, that's the reason why people, some people got a little bit riled up because it's like, you're not dealing with the issue. The issue is pay. That is true. Pay me. That is true. That is true. I think the thing though is, yeah, yeah, that's essentially what people are saying. I just, I think that, I think the comparisons of it to Gruel though, just seem, I think it's probably a bit snobbish. Mm. I just think highlighting that, as I don't know I think if you if that hospital had put that as like a national campaign saying look this is what we're doing for staff come and work for us we're giving porridge out because we know that it's a struggle or something I think that's one thing but I think on the other side I think it is a kind of a nice gesture yes they should be paying people more absolutely and porridge is no way going to make up for that it's just a small thing I think there's also like the it might just be a Oh, I don't know, like a way of putting it. It's obviously going to be, there. there's a problem throughout the UK with like funding and stuff. And a lot of the changes that are needed need to come in terms of funding. And mm. it's just simply not there. So I think there is a problem with having the tools to correct and fix these problems because the prices of things are going up and our wages aren't matching that. But also like NHS funding isn't ma- isn't matching the demand. And so I think there there is a scope to which individuals or even smaller collectives, I think there's only a certain scope to which they can make changes without wholesale changes from your government, I think is probably what I'd say to that. But I can appreciate this is a, t- this is a tiny gesture. I just think it's, I, it's just a bit sad that this became the lightning rod for that particular sentiment, I think. It's inevitable though, isn't it? Okay, so I'm going to give an example of something that's not, this is nowhere near similar, but I just wonder whether there's the same sentiment because the feelings that I had at this particular point in my life maybe are slightly relatable. As I've said before, I was really struggling with my training and I had some very difficult people. And at one point it was going to be over. I wasn't going to be a trainee anymore. And then I remember talking to... I think my TPD saying, like, it sounds like this is over. I'm not going to be able to finish my training. And you, you go into something like radiology and a big part of the reason I went to radiology was because it was, had a guaranteed CCT. I don't have to apply to anything else. And then they say, oh, don't worry, man. We'll just give you a staff grade job or something. And although I have no problems with the staff grade job, is that after getting such a massive kicking after so many years and being told that you're not very good and all this stuff mm. for such a long time, and then be told, we may kick you out, but don't worry about it. We'll just give you like a staff grade job and you can just work around here. And there's a, you just do the plain x-rays for a while. And I'm like, it's a nice gesture, isn't it? But not really at the same time, because that's not why I'm here. I didn't come here to, and maybe that's a big headed part of me. I, I always believed that like I was going to finish one day and this is not the way that I wanted things to be. And it was never going to, it was never going to down like that in my head, but I was genuinely was very upset. I remember coming back and walk around thinking like, how, how could they do that? How could they throw something? So it was just, it wasn't even, it was such a minor gesture on the grand scheme of being kicked down. And so you just wonder whether, is that the same sentence people are having that you're, you're working really hard. You have to pay for parking. You got the situation where we'll go on to Roshana's tweet saying where they're going to rescind bank holidays. So not this particular trust, but other trusts are having this situation. We've had situations where you don't have even a mess room, like a desk to sit on. And then they say, you know what? Like, we do care about you. Here's some porridge. And you're <laughs> thinking, I don't have a desk. 
I don't have a computer that works. Do you want to deal with those things so I can actually do my job? I could, don't you see it? I feel like maybe that's a sentiment and something oh, yeah, I can absolutely. relate to on that. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely get that. I just... Like, I think we got to the point where nothing will do beyond just pay. Just, I don't want to hear anything else. Just pay. And don't give me anything about Hippocratic Oath or whatever it is. Oh, God. It doesn't matter. That's a subtweet. Yeah, we're going to go into that. Just pay me. I don't want to hear any more arguments. I don't want to hear about vocations and whether I care people about... That's between me and myself, whether I care people about, or care people, about people or not. Just pay me because I'm worth that much. That's exactly what I'm worth. So there was a tweet I'm alluding to and trying to get onto, pulled in two things, but there was the, someone, where was that gone again? The Hippocratic Oath. God, it's from Tom Holland. Yeah, gone. That's like, right, yeah. Absolute worst. So I blocked yeah. him, but every so often, like his... You unblock his him to see what he's saying. Yeah, his, no, like his nonsense still appears on my feed with someone quote tweeting it and stuff. Mm. He's just like, he's like breathlessly idiotic. Like he'll say stuff and I'm like, he will, it's like a really focused take on things which is almost i feel like it either he's genuinely stupid and they sh- you should probably you should never misattribute malice to something that can be ad- attributed to stupidity so maybe he's just really stupid but mm. i think actually what happens is he picks and chooses his little factoids and in this mm. example he's basically talking about kind of the impending doctor strikes and he says oh the hippocratic oath like people who swore the hippocratic oath and it's yeah and the thing is that I think it favours how there's that line, isn't there, where people prefer straightforward, simple answers to complex Mm. questions. And Mm. often, unfortunately, in this world, things are complicated. And if you just deconstruct the idiotic statement that he's made, one, people don't swear by the Hippocratic Oath and haven't done for years now. There's Mm. we understand that it's nuanced and our role as doctors to not do to not cause harm is often is motivated not by just action but inaction and so therefore like our oaths oath that we take which can be different from one med school to the other takes that into account so we don't actually do the hippocratic oath anymore yeah i don't okay, remember so- having to put my hand on anything and saying i hereby now i hereby take oath that i will be like, no i don't remember that i got into med school i turned up to med school i did med school and i got through the thing is, like, for someone like Tom Harwood, I feel like they've got this very idea about what a doctor is and what p- doctor people are like. And yeah. we've spoken about this before, Thrusha. There are some very evil people in this job. Whether people want to admit it or not, there are some very evil people in this job. And so, some individuals, I would have no, I would not be surprised if they would walk past someone that yeah. is very unwell because they had a movie to go to. I know it because that's how evil they are. Yeah, absolutely. Right? But like, e- true. Yeah. But even if we move beyond the Hippocratic Oath idiocy mm. of his like, thing, he then goes on to say, so his actual line is, I just don't understand how anyone who's taken the Hippocratic Oath, so if we move the pedantry about that bit out of the way, could walk okay. out on their own patience over the matter of money. And the thing is that it's that <laughs> other impl- implication, like, what are we doing it for? Are we like, we're mm. not like monks who've joined an order. Mm. We are, it's still, it's still a job, right? We still need to get paid and we still need to get paid exactly. appropriately. And their conditions are terrible now. And, but the whole, that's the issue with, that's what I was trying to get at before. Like, I just feel like it's just completely reductive and he's just reduced it to, it's just, you see, oh my God, I sent you that video, didn't I? Of this guy who's like eating a kind of cow colon and <laughs> it's like full of poo, isn't it? Yeah. And the whole video okay, is yeah. they take the poo <laughs> out and then the poos, they remove the water from it and then they cook the poo, but then they still drink the water from the poo. And the, yeah. for some reason... <laughs> I'm squirming on screen, by the way. I'm actually squirming, but yeah, go on. But the thing is that Tom Howard's tweets like remind me of that because it's just like taking all kind of these complex ideas and then just like cooking up these kind of like weird kind of conclusions from it. And like, it's just, it's just, 
it's a sweet because he can fit his like terrible little opinion into a sentence. There's just one sentence there, <laughs> but it's just so wrong. And it'll take you, it just, but it'll take any sensible person, like a couple of sentences, unfortunately, to unpick everything that's wrong with that. And that in itself is a skill. But he presented it so simply, hasn't he? Like Hippocratic yeah, yeah, Oath. Yeah. So you're talking about good, he's suggesting that these are people who are apparently meant to be good people, which is a, we've talked about that over a matter of money, like money's a bad thing. That's what he's suggesting, like money's a bad thing. So what does Tom Harwood donate half the money that he doesn't need? If he's got a surplus of, okay, I've got my food paid for, I've got my mortgage done, I don't need anything else. You know what? Money's bad. I'm just going to give the rest of it away. I'd love to see his bank accounts. I'd love to see what he gets up to because if money's so bad, why don't you give it away? Why don't you donate it? And that's the thing, like the implication that good people can't get money, good people can't go for money, good people can't work for money or want money, is the implication here. That's what, that's part of the reason that I find it very strange when people be like over a matter of money, like money doesn't matter. Money does matter. So when someone does, when pay, when they say over a matter of money, you're doing it over, over money because mat- money does matter. You can't like go do a 12, 13 hour job or even longer than that and come home and not be able to feed yourself and look after yourself or have a place to live. Cause then there's something fundamentally wrong in that. There has to be because you could just do no work and end up in the same situation or a similar situation. So what's the point in working in the first place? He's just losing time for no reason. So this guy, I don't know where he comes from, but he's, and he's a blue tick as well. What is he, GB News or something? Is yeah, that where he's come from? Just, yeah, yeah he's just this kind of, essentially like a kind of, I mean, I think he'd probably object to be called a right, right-wing commentator, but he basically is like a Brexiteer. And he, he did seem for a long time to be like a kind of Tory talking head, as I think probably mm. now he's probably aligned to more UKP type stuff he's bad Mm. vibes he's very bad vibes but interestingly speaking of bad vibes there have been there's been all similar stuff coming from there's street from within the labor party now he's like the shadow health secretary and he within the labor party like labor no why i know (laughs) i mean he i think he self-professes to be on like the writer side of the labor party he's very critical of jeremy corbyn and he was like the president of the NUS, the National Union of Students. And apparently okay. he was a fairly controversial figure mm. in the NUS. And so he wasn't well liked from that. But basically he's come out with quite a few statements, very consistently saying that he's not in support of the doctor strikes. And pretty much saying, echoing the same things as Tom Harwood. And so I think mm. if you're saying the similar stuff to this dude, then you've got to look at the people you're, ta- you're taking sides with. And he was implying that it's going to be worse for patients and stuff. And whereas I think have it paying. The point is striking is to make things difficult. Now, there's no two ways about it. And if someone says that striking is not going to have some sort of detrimental effect on everything, then you're, you're defeating the purpose of striking in the first place. I think the implication is that the pay rise will be detrimental for stuff. I think oh, is that what he's saying? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah okay. So. so I'd love to see his account and see how much he's donating away. But that, I didn't read a few things about this and people were saying that, look, this is Labour's move to try and get part of the voting public that they don't have access to by coming across a bit more Tory, yeah. quotation mark Tory, which I think is a real, real shame. But also it does give you, if that's the way that they feel that they've got to act in order to get votes in, Therefore, that must mean that they, whatever think tanks they got, whatever clever people they've got behind them to tell them that this is how you're going to get into power is telling you that people don't really want doctors to get paid all that much. That that sounds like the situation here. And that kind of leads me on to like a tweet from our good friend, Dr. Sherrington. And he's got this little graph, most and least trusted professions 
in Britain. And so what's he showing here? So share of adults trust and people. So nurses are quite high. Doctors are a bit lower. Engineers are lower. Right. Historically, yeah, yeah historically mm. of the professions, it's like nurses are the most trusted profession and doctors aren't usually yeah. that far behind them. And then of the least trusted professions, usually tends to be politicians. And then above that tends to be economists. Mm. Here they've got estate agents, government ministers, so politicians and advertising executives. But yeah, so those are the people <laughs> who are the least trusted. But then if you think about who are in control, it's government ministers, politicians. Exactly. So when you've got someone like this who is not is of a profession that's not very well trusted, now trying to cater to trying to say that oh we should doctors are in the wrong here, and that's how to win votes. So you're saying that actually people are actually trusting them more than they would trust doctors. There's actually a big distrust toward doctors. Well, it must be there must be some something, isn't it? But also, if you look at stuff that's come out from Keir Starmer like recently, mm. there's been a fair bit of like anti-immigrant stuff there too and it kind of makes yeah, exactly. you think when you're saying about our think tanks they must realize that there must be more there must be more votes in just appealing to that kind of side of things to these demographic of people yeah. so this is the thing like i was before we even came on the podcast like i we grew up in medicine during a labor government and things were rubbish then not rubbish but they weren't but they weren't great and the thing is we i know i'm not standing towards at all or anyone really but like the pay freeze has been going on for before talk, this has been going for a long time. So I know everyone's like, oh, we need a Labour government. But this kind of confirms to me that I don't think anyone's going to sort this out. I don't think a Labour government's going to sort this out either. I think it's, I reckon if the Labour government comes in, it's not as though it's going to be happy days and we're going to get like a big pay True. rise and all this stuff's going to sort it out. They're going to just play the same old cards. Go sure. But what if nobody's under that illusion? So say, for example, we know that kind of the Barack Obama government in the US was for, like harmful to black people and we know that Obama was very fond of drone strikes and Mm. there's still a lot of racism and stuff even though you had a black president but then even though you're changing the figurehead and you had Trump you had openly like racist rhetoric and surely if you look at the way there's like the Pretty Patel, Suella Braverman, stuff that Sajid Javid's come out with and that kind of the stuff out loud you'd hope that even though they're kind of perhaps on a kind of more obvious baser level thing might not necessarily be that different and you're still mm. going to get corruption and whatever <laughs> isn't it like a step in the kind of right direction because otherwise what the hell are we doing do we just is the i saw a really interesting kind of like back and forth on twitter where people were talking about ideological purity right so like people who mm. say everything and kind of, or at least you play to all of your kind of more your kind of moral compass and how exceedingly rare that is in mm. politics, I guess, because of the nature of scratching people's backs and getting donors and getting money and getting into the right positions and conversations in the first place by very virtue of getting into that position, you need to know the right people and whatever. And that also perhaps means that you do have to compromise on your morals and stuff to get to that very position. Mm. So I think hoping for ideological purity, or at least what they're saying, that's going to be unrealistic. And so then you have to just settle for a lesser evil. And I responded to that thread being like, so what am I supposed to do then? Who am I supposed to vote for? I just, but I can't see myself in good confidence voting for the Tories because look at, look at it, look at it. So is it like a case of voting for Biden over Trump simply because at least they don't say the kind of horrible stuff out loud? That's the yardstick? What a terrible yardstick. Yeah, I know what you mean, but you know what? This is, these are the times when I think that we live in a democracy, but that's not, it's not really democracy. Does that make sense? We think we've got choice, but I don't think we have that much choice. You're only really choosing between one or two people. And most of the time, they're pretty much saying similar things. Or when someone gets voted in, not much. You talked about Barack Obama versus Trump, etc. Like, what really changed for the average man? What really changed? Did they do better? Did they do worse? Or did things stay the same? 
And I would bet that most of the time things don't change all that much. So the idea that you're that these I just think that when it comes to politics and politicians, labor or not, they almost act very similar to one another. And you mentioned scratching one at each other's back and stuff. There was another thing on our sheet here about the PPE scandal from Michelle Moan. Do you remember this? And it's, that came up about, it's like oh, the, the yeah. PPE scandal with regards to how these Tories and the government were giving contracts to basically friends of friends who've got no background in PE or anything. It was like the pub landlord was got given contracts. But this kind of stuff happens like all the time, like all the time. It doesn't matter what government you're looking at. They all do the same thing. You dig deep enough. They're all swindling their taxes into different places. You have situations where you have politicians who make massive decisions about the NHS, right? Big decisions about the NHS, but not actually use the NHS. So they're making big decisions about things that don't affect them whatsoever. So like when someone at Rishi Sunak or any of these people make big changes to cost of minimum wage, they're not affected by minimum wage. Like while they make it low, they make it like five pounds, six pounds an hour. How does that affect them? They don't have to live through that. Why didn't you make them live like that free and then see how much they're trying to increase that minimum wage to? All right. And so I know it's a bit, so what's the answer? I don't know what the answer is, but I do feel as though you do have to start on some level working for what works for you, like what generally works for you. So what I think is a good thing that nurses are going on strike. They're demanding what they're worth. So if the only thing to come out of all of this is that nurses get paid what they're worth and then the doctors go on strike and they get paid what they're worth and the RMT union, they go on strike and they get paid. If everyone just goes on strikes and get paid what they're worth and they're doing everything they can to look after themselves and just be happy and just move on because I don't think we can rely on the governments or any successive government really to look after you because look where they've, each successive government has got us. Each successive government has got us to this point and I don't think it's a good place. And so we all gonna have got to... I don't know. I'm just saying maybe we should be a little bit more selfish about some of the choices that we make. It looks like it's all coming, doesn't it? All those strikes and stuff. No, exactly. And good for them. Good for them. And I'm really glad the nurses are striking and doing themselves, working for themselves and pushing it to happen. And I really hope that the doctors do the same thing. We should talk some more about the nurses' strikes, but just to mention, Mm. because Dr. Mean Alves is a good account that talks about the kind of scandalous procurement and kind of, I don't know how to, like how to put it in a way that's not basically doesn't describe it accurately because i'm sure that these guys are like litigious as hell but her thread is amazing so it's from it was from december the 9th and the first tweet is the great ppe scam scam a thread and uh, as you say got mentions michelle moon but just so there's a tory peer who i think she was given peership by um, david cameron and Mm. uh, she was the head of a lingerie company and she oh, hang contacts. on. I think I know this one. Is she Scottish? Have I got that right? What, who? As in Michelle Moon? Yeah. I don't know. But basically, like, when at the time she emailed Michael Gove saying, oh, I might be able to help. And he they pushed through her kind of as a kind of potential supplier of PPE, even, they, even though they had no pedigree or, like, history in producing and they ju- they made billions out of the, from of taxpayer money billions. Yeah, I know who she is. I know she is. I know this person because not per- not personally, but I remember there was a TV show about the children of like multi multi millionaires and how they deal with being children of multi millionaires and how they were very sort of lost in 
what they want to do with their own lives, which is fair enough. They don't want for anything really. And her daughter, so part of the program was that the daughter would go and where Malone grew up. And it was actually quite a very poor background. They did it with Mel B and they did it with Gordon Ramsay as well. But mate, I, I don't know if she still lives in that house, but that house that they had on that Channel 4 program was unbelievable. Like it was, I don't know how to describe it. Imagine the most amazing spa that you've ever seen. And that was their house. And they had a live-in chef and a helicopter pad. It was just absolutely incredible. And it was wow. like some, somewhere in Scotland, it might have been even a remote island castle thing. Check it out on Channel 4. But I do, I remember this lady now. I must have seen that TV show a while ago. But yeah, she, I think she was in a bit of hot water for being a Tory back then. And she was quite unpopular because of her political allegiances. But it's amazing to me that she would make that kind of contract because, mate, she didn't look like she needed more money. She really didn't. She's already remarkably wealthy well i mean so. rishi sunak is like yeah. the rich one of the, the richest man one of the richest men in the uk isn't he but they're still mm. there isn't it i think it's amazing really isn't it there must be like some drive and you can wonder like what is it that kind of makes you want to have like so, even more money and more power and stuff i can't help but feel a bit suspicious of people like that but then i don't know man i remember when i was a student i used to think to myself oh if i just had two grand a month i'd be all right that's all yeah. right. I'll be happy. I don't need anything else. And then as you get old and you work your way up, you think, okay, look, all I need is this much. And then I'm speaking open and honestly, like as I've made more, I still feel like I want to make more. There's no reason yeah. for me to stop. Like, why would I stop? And I don't, it's not as though I feel like I need it per se to have any particular change to my life. Like there, like we've said before, like there's a certain amount of earning and beyond that, it doesn't really change anything. You know what yeah. I mean? Until you get to some sort of multi, multi million, but you still feel like you want to go further. Sure. But say if, say if I told you that mm. if you could have, mm. I'd give you a billion pounds, I'd give you a billion pounds, but all it would take is for me to take away both your little fingers and both your testicles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, that's different. You can't value, I've, I've said this before, yeah, you, you already feel rich just because you've got eyes and arms and legs and stuff. And that's yeah. different, isn't it? Oh, but, okay, just one testicle then for a billion pounds. No, no, I've told you before, no. Yeah. Wait, you need one? <laughs> if it's for you, then... Mate, you know. I, I, let me find that billion pounds first and then I'll get back. <laughs> no, I mean, for you, I'd give it free. But, uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, I can see on some level, like why someone would want more as time goes on you want, and you get more, you want more. And every time you think, okay, we would say to ourselves, like, oh, if you've got like 25 million, then there's really not much more you need. Like, you can have a private jet, servants, yeah. big mansion, big cars. Why would anyone need more than that? But there must be something there once you get to that point that may, must make you think. Is that, it? What is it? I don't know. I want to find out. Um, I'll tell you when I get there. Yeah, which makes you come, makes me think, what's he spending his money on? What is he like? Yeah, I need more of this. And so therefore I need more money of it. Because I, feel like, <laughs> I don't know, imagine you're like as, as rich as this guy is, which is like, mm. rich, richer than the queen was. I'd be busy spending that. But I, I, like this guy's like, oh yeah, I really like drinking cake. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's it. That's what so you're like the richest dude in the UK. And you're like, oh, yeah, I like, like Coke. Like, what the hell? Not the kind of nose one. Like, oh, okay. That's really disappointing. And like, also, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, that's even more suspicious, like, suspicious, isn't it? Like, you have all that There's money. There's something else and... going on there. Yeah, yeah. mate, there's got to be. He's got to be into some dark stuff. Because honestly, like, if someone is like, oh, this is how rich you are. And you could be even more rich by basically controlling the whole country and like, furrowing it to your mates and stuff. Oh, I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure it's coming. I'd be very surprised if this wasn't a big move to 
I don't know, there's something going on in the back. Because you know, like when Rishi Sunak got caught, we're not caught, but they were using that loophole. Yeah, yeah. A lot. Of, I suspect there's a lot of people using that loophole. And the only reason that he ever stopped the loophole is because of his political aspirations. And on some level, they must have felt that by not using that loophole, they might gain something bigger later. Like, otherwise, why would you? Otherwise, you'd be like, okay, fine, sorry. Yeah, you know what? I just stopped and I stopped being MP. It's not worth my time. I'm making more doing this. But they obviously, as a family, must have thought, okay, fine. We'll have to get rid of that. We'll make our tax losses, whatever, but we will make it bigger, like much, much bigger than we already are at some point later. Maybe that's paranoid me, but I think time will tell. But I suspect that there'll be something big, some under underhanded moves or some sort of move that Rishi Sunak and family are up to. I hope they don't come after me for saying that. Don't come after me. I've got nothing, <laughs> yeah, nothing right. that I've got that you want. But yeah. But talking about this kind of attitude, Joe, we'll go to a more relaxed dish tweet, which is to do with money a bit. There was a really funny one that made me laugh quite a lot. I just remember the time I went on a first date to London Zoo. And at the gate, he asked me if I would mind paying for my own ticket, which I said, yeah, I would. At which point he pulled out a two-for-one voucher. So I paid for my ticket and he went in for free. That's amazing, isn't it? That's good fiscal sense. That's it's amazing. So I replied saying like, so are you guys married now? She didn't reply. But He's clearly very careful with his money. So that's yeah, exactly. to take into account. So it's good, better than I am. With money. Yeah. But it's funny because when I saw it, I sent it to Joe because she had a kind of zoo date story. And she was like, oh yeah, no, it wasn't that bad. I was like, oh, okay. You can't not tell us a story. Can you tell us a story? If it's not it wasn't story. with me, so it wasn't that bad, which wasn't what I wanted to hear. Oh, okay. Okay, <laughs> fine. Maybe but, we should tell you that story another day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think there are a few kind of on festival and stuff about kind of dates that always... I always find those kind of things funny because I think about how hard it was to like ask people out as a kind of teenager. And I remember thinking to myself like, how crushed I might be if someone so many likes says no. And now when I see these kind of like these accounts, I'm like, there are these people out there who are getting dates with people. And look at the look at the cohort of people. <laughs> like, this guy got a date. Yeah. What was yeah. I worried about? Really? I know I always wonder this now. As time goes on, we didn't have Twitter and we didn't have like Reddits and stuff to really know like the ultimate fails that can exist and knowing that actually you'd be if someone just said no politely or even no in a harsh way then uh, you're doing pretty well compared to what people are trying out there, isn't it? But I guess we didn't, how would you even know, man? You just had, if you had your mates were like fronting about, oh yeah, I did this and I did that. And that's super cool, man. That's so awesome. But yeah, there, there's a, a few festivals. Did you want to do one? No, I think it was on positivity. There was this really cute video that people can still check out if they want. It was on, it was posted from CNN. It went viral. And so it was mm. from December the 12th. Oh and the tweet goes, if you wanted to search for it, it was Emmy's first performance at the Unity Dance Spectrum in Massachusetts. Her mum captured the precious moment. The toddler realised her parents, grandparents, aunties, uncle and baby sister were in the crowd. And basically she waves and is wiping tears away from her eyes and appears to be like applauding them, which is lovely. And then there's a kind of thread about it, which isn't negative at all. It's very positive, but it couldn't. I couldn't help but feel terrible as a father because it talks about how amazing the parents are and how her body language shows how amazing they are and so that goes so susan cedic is worth a follow this is one of the videos making its way through social media this week bringing christmas joy so let's have a brief thread on its details and it goes so we pick up where the video where the family are greeting her after the performance we get a clear sense of her excitement from the fast rhythm of her feet her joy is embodied expressed in her movement that's what infant psychologist called communicative musicality and it goes on to say that 
basically there's a bit where her dad goes to give her some flowers and he goes so it turns out to be her daddy approaching her with a bouquet of flowers to present to her where do her eyes go first to the flowers she's taking in the meaning of his movement towards her of her of his presence but as he hands her the flowers where do her eyes go answer to him his gift signals to her you matter your perform- performance matters. You matter to us. This is a gift that enacts belonging. Where her eyes in that, where were her eyes in that moment? Locked into his, a moment of emotional intimacy. And when he hands the flowers over, he's down on his knees at her level, making the physical connection between them more equivalent. And oh my God, he's managing that move with his baby sister in his arms. I bet he'll ne- he's never even thought about that. It just felt natural to him. And when I was reading that, I was like, if I got Lil's flowers, would she be looking me in the eyes being like oh and I was like would I be on my knees I'd be like no because I've got bad knees so I wouldn't be doing that and so therefore no I just I couldn't I wouldn't be able to recreate that you should see I'm usually working in the mornings and my son's downstairs having breakfast and I come down and say all right how's it going good morning and then he's do you want to go back up doesn't work (laughs) (laughs) why don't you go back upstairs and work dad and he, that's how he tries to get rid of me half the time. Like, oh, dad, why don't you go up, go upstairs and work or go to the office and stuff like that? <sighs> you know what? There are just some... yeah. I hope you do listen to this when you're older. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope you listen to this podcast and hear how upset I am at the way that you can be towards me sometimes. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. There was something that was quite upsetting to me, actually, that came up on our list. It was, and I don't like exams anyway. Obviously, I had a very difficult time with exams, but I think Ronan, and this went around a bit, didn't it? So there was a tweet highlighting an SJT. Do you see that one? Oh, and yeah. yeah, it says, you, okay, so I'm going to set this out. You're a foundation doctor, F2. You're doing well. Well done. You've got past F1. You're working in adult medicine, so adult medicine, not peds. Good, another good choice. I don't know why <laughs> anyone would do peds. It is the first day of your agreed annual leave. Okay, so you got annual leave. Great. You managed to get agreed as well. So it's all gone through. No one's going to hassle you now. You're driving to the airport. Brilliant. You're getting out of the country. You're going somewhere warm. I hope maybe you're driving some family. I don't know. You're driving as well. So you've got a car. Hopefully it's a Beamer. Maybe, I don't know, a Bugatti. Hopefully Bugatti. What color is your Bugatti? You award you. Okay, hopefully a nice iPhone 14 or whatever it is (laughs) to ask you where you are. Okay, I'm driving to Chanel's no, I shouldn't, yeah, I shouldn't have answered the phone. Anyway, an F2 colleague, okay, Mike. Oh, I don't like Mike. I don't like, I don't like Mike. Yeah, he's already annoying guy, yeah. Should be covering your shift. Yeah, he's a, yeah, Mike also, yeah. Should, or cardiology. Should be covering <laughs> your shift, but he has not arrived. All right, you know, what's that good with me? The ward does not have Mike's mobile number. Sounds like you probably should work on that. <laughs> and neither do you. Okay, so rank and order the following. Trusha, yeah, so rank so, and order the following. So what do people want to do? So the so basically you've done a swap with Mike and Mike hasn't turned up, and but they got your number and not Mike's. Option A, explain this is not your fault and you're unable to help. Option B, Ring a colleague to find out if anyone has Mike's mobile telephone number. Option C, return to the hospital and cover the shift. What? You're on the way to the airport to book flights, but you should go back and cover that MAU shift in a way. Option D, ask the hospital switchboard to put you through to the consultant on call to discuss the situation. Oh my gosh. And option E, telephone a colleague and ask if she can cover the shift. And then the correct answers in order was B, so ring a colleague to find out if anyone has his number. And then E is next to telephone a colleague to ask if she can cover the shift. And then D is next, ask the switchboard to put you through to the consultant on call. Then followed by C, which is return to the hospital and cover the shift. And last, A, explain this is not your fault and I'm unable to help. Now, 
I think there should have been an option G, which was not answer the phone in the first place, especially if it's from an unknown number, because you know it's more than likely to be from the hospital. But I have heard yeah, other... unless someone is driving you there. You should be, dri- you should be picking up the phone yeah. when you're driving anyway. Yeah, so someone yeah, else anyway. said, and I did definitely did do this for a while, there was a particular hospital whereby they seemed to be insistent on co- like contacting you via your mobile phone. So then I got two mobile mm. phones, with a, one with a separate number, nice. and I'd turn it off when nice, I left. Nice. Because they'd call me when I was at home. And often they'd be like, oh, are you doing cardiology referrals? And even if I said no, they'd be like, oh, do you know who it is? can you put me can you give me the number for that person and i'll be like mm. the conversation should have ended now like you've called a person on the mm. day off that should be it but people just i once they've got you so i just would have it where as soon as i was leaving the hospital i'd just turn it i just found it easier that's a good idea that's a, that's a good yeah everyone should be doing that but this whole thing i feel i remember i still i might have mentioned this before but when i was applying to gp and one of the guys who i was applying to gp with he was saying that he was doing all these sjts and he was saying that he was actually implementing a lot of what the sjts was saying to do into his actual life so he was reporting people he was talking to his education and he was like i have never caused so much havoc <laughs> in such a short space of, in a short such a short space of time like but i'm doing what, what they're telling me to do exactly i was reporting everyone for sleeping yeah i was just doing it and apparently that's not what you're meant to actually do there's a difference here yeah. um but no, look, please don't pick up that phone do not yeah. pick up that phone isn't and that... go with option a explain this is not your fault yeah. and you're not unable to help sorry but isn't it so funny no, isn't it that you have to sing from this particular hymn but then you do something that's completely op- the opposite they're like obviously you don't do that but this is what you have to say well who are we fooling with this stuff i know but isn't that life though isn't it like when you apply to medical school you've got to guess you've got to say a certain way a certain thing whether it's true or not and same with get, going for jobs why do you want to work here like, i don't want to work here but i just know that there's a job why is that energy there like why is the energy like yes we want you to lie to us we know you're not telling the truth we know it's nonsense but that's what we why do we want them like, why do we want people who just, like, we want people who can lie to themselves? <laughs> is that what it is? Have you read Fight Club, the book? Have you read Fight Club, the book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At all? Yeah. I know. So do you remember he talks about bodybuilders and how they're all striving for that one moment of perfection? That's all it is. They will work their whole lives as one moment of perfection. And I think about that to be the way that we are with our consultant interview, our medical school interviews. Like, Because <laughs> bodybuilders don't really look like that. Not really. But they don't look like that all year round. They've starved themselves. They're dehydrated. They've yeah, done true. a they've got a pump going on they've done everything they can to be that perfect moment to mm. do that little song and dance to get their the yeah. win and i feel like that's exactly what happens like the whole thing is a facade, a facade no one is really like that in real life no one looks like that walking around no one acts like that in real life but just for about half an hour to 40 minutes for that interview you have to pretend to be on stage and flex pose flex again pose move off the stage and we'll call you back if you've won. But yeah, I just, yeah, the whole thing's ridiculous. And that SJT, I hope in real life, none of you pick up that phone. And if you're nice enough to pick up that phone, absolutely do not get involved because it is not your problem at all. And just trust me, consultants are definitely like that. Consultants are 100% like that. I could see, that actually did happen to me where okay. I, I did a swap with, like when I remember it really well, I was an F1. At that mm. time, I was working in the East of England and I got called up saying, mm. did a swap and this person hasn't turned up for their shift. And mm. I was like, the thing was, so I was working in Peterborough at the time, and I remember I was with my parents in central London, and I said to them, and I remember saying to my mum, oh, wow, like, from work and the shift, and I remember feeling, and my mum was like, yeah, but you're in London with us, and I was like, yes, I am, but they're, like, calling me, and she was like, you yeah, know, you can't go back, and I remember saying it in this, like, really final way, being like, 
Okay, but my mom trumps. You're like I don't know. I, I was still like a boy in my head. <laughs> she, my mom said no, so yeah. I've asked my mom. She hasn't given me permission, so I'm really sorry, Rota coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it was a rota coordinator. But would you? But let's say you you were in Peterborough and you weren't that far from the hospital. Would you've gone back? I think at that point in my life, unfortunately, I think I was that much of a doormat that I probably would have done. I think because they do, oh my God, I'm going to use a word that I saw Ronan use on Twitter. They inculcate, which is basically, they just suggest this idea, they're pushing this idea towards you. That's what you should be doing. That's the whole mm. point of those questions, isn't it? That you're, and like mm. Bella Roschetti was saying that when you're answering those questions, you basically have to pick the options that are most humiliating to yourself. And like total <laughs> capitulation, which is, okay, I'll just turn around from the airport. Don't worry that I, I spent ages researching those flights and I actually paid extra <laughs> for the extra baggage. And, stuff, and I won't be able to claim. Do you, re- do you reckon if there was like a if there's an extra option, you'd go back to the hospital on your knees and crawl your way <laughs> yeah. towards the road, apologize, okay. kiss their yes, feet, sir. yeah, and yeah, and then pick up the. That pen would be the just, answer. Yeah, that start, would be the answer. Just start clocking, yeah, start clocking. Okay, yeah, say goodbye to them. Maldives, oh, I don't need ink. I will use my blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And when you're it's on the okay, don't line, worry. I just keep bleeding. Oh, <laughs> you don't have a pen either. Don't worry. I can give you more of my blood. <laughs> yes. Also, did, did I get blood on your shirt? Excuse me, let me just wipe that blood off. There you go. And if you need to, if you need something to lean on for the water, just use my back. Yeah, just, you know, ridiculous. <laughs> so that would be the answer. The most self-deprecating answer would be, yeah, yeah. Just go and basically... Completely just give yourself it, over. Just uh, rubble and, yeah, give yourself over. And, yeah, it's... I don't know. Is this where it all starts? Is this where it all goes wrong? The thing is that in some of the answers, though, it's interesting because you kind of, they have a little kind of blurb with it, don't they? And the answers don't sound, it's, oh, but it is important to take your holidays to prevent burnout. And it's that's not the only reason people go on holiday, mate. Like, but but mm. let's try, though. And it's just like interesting that it's written. I don't know what the, the, the person who's written that question, like what's going through their head when they're writing it. But I think these question banks, a lot of them are just written by students and stuff who want to write on their CV that they've written something. So, yeah, it's But right. it's just funny that is a sentiment that whoever wrote that question clearly feels is the right right thing to do and maybe it is the right thing to do with regards to getting that question but i sincerely hope that all of you do not do that at all and really do respect your own time and through you were lucky that your mum and first of all said no and also the physical distance between you getting from london to peterborough is going to be quite a feat and they were never going to pay you back for that were they i'm glad that never went through but I don't feel like you got to be we've got to be more ruthless and more almost like selfish in the way that we act if we're going to get you know, True. be treated the way that we want to be treated. Because I think I said this last time, it's easier to seek forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. So these trusts are always going to try stuff like this, always. Mm-hmm. Like we saw with Roshana's tweet about the bank holiday. They're mm-hmm. saying that they're not going to give bank holidays to the junior doctors unless they've got leave. It's like, what planet do you think you're on? They say something like that. Of course, they're going to try it. They're going to try it. And hopefully it goes through until someone tweets about it and it starts to cause a bit of a storm. And then they might be like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. We've looked into it a bit more. Very sorry. We've got it wrong. And that's it. We moved on. But on the occasion, they'll get away with it. And then that's the it's sorted. And I think that they do. And I think that's why it's important that people talk about the, the I think that's why it's so great that there is social media and stuff. So people can call out behaviors like that. Because I think at that time mm. when I was an F1, I think I was just most afraid of getting in trouble. That's what I was most worried about. Like mm. someone was going to tell me off or whatever. I was going to turn up mm. back to work and people were like, where were you that day? 
that's really unprofessional. Mm. But then, fortunately, yeah, as you say, yeah, like, yeah. at that time, I was more afraid of being on the wrong side of my mum than I was of the written coordinator and my consulting. But like, that's how it feels. <laughs> like, you're going to get in trouble, you're going to get told off, and you're like, you want people... And I think also, as I've said, like, many times, most of us as junior doctors, especially, we've gone through that kind of trauma of medical school, trying to just get there. And we're people pleasers. You just want people to be like, yeah, you're doing a good job. You're actually you're good at this mm. or whatever. And so then you're just worried that people are going to turn around and be like, what the hell are you doing? Who else would have done this? Like, why would mm. why have you not done that? And you're always made to feel that way. This is what everyone else is doing. Or this is what people historically have done. So why are you not doing that? Why are you not behaving that mm. way? And so there's this all the, and, uh, and if you don't know what it's like, if you don't know what the, and so that's why I think it's so great that people out there that be like, no, that's obviously ridiculous. You definitely do not, you definitely should not do those things. And so whilst there are those kind of toxic questions there, I'm pleased that it re- that thread received the reaction that it did do because people be like more questioning about whether that's mm. kosher. I, I mean, I thought I was going to move on to Roshana's question, which is about kind of culture. She goes, the anaesthetist made a point to me the other day. She said she thinks that now medicine in capital letters has a worse culture than surgery in capital letters. Her reasoning being that we now routinely call consultants and backup is the expectation, but not so in medicine. Thoughts. And I saw there's quite a nice kind of like thread from Joshua Wilcox. Joshua He's a, maybe I'm biased because he's a cardiology reg. But uh, there's some good responses to that. I feel like mm. I should mention first though. So Bryony Lumpkin, she works... She doesn't work in, we haven't worked together in Norwich. Oh, that's not true. We have worked together in Norwich, but she talks about cardiology. I felt like we should mention it because she says, my worst rotations in F1 F2 were general surgery and cardiology. Both had consultants mm. with out of touch plans, get F1 to auscultate chest and decide if there's pneumonia. That doesn't sound like a cardiology <laughs> consultant, but maybe it was being one. Mm. Boss is very uninterested if they're not going to perform the procedure. A minimal reg support. I'm sure it'll differ between hospitals, but I guess the stereotypes exist for a reason. Something I feel dirty writing, I have to say. And there's many nice surgeons and cardiologists. Oh, she knew I was going to be reading that. But bless, fair enough. There are, so like, what do you, you're obviously someone who has to interact, unfortunately, with people from medicine and from surgery. Have you noticed a kind of, <laughs> that there's a kind of culture change? A culture change? No. Surgeons are still surgeons and medics are still medics. I, yeah. I haven't really noticed a difference. I would say in my, I'm not saying where, okay, my general experience of having interactions with surgeons over scans is generally more difficult. I find them to be more difficult than I have had with medics. Medics just seem to be a bit more nice about things and, oh, do you think this? Okay, cool. But I found that my interaction, and then maybe just a skewed version of just the places that I've worked, but they're normally a bit like, you've said this, I can't see what you're talking about. Are you sure about this? If you want, if you're so sure about it, I've got to take this person to the theater. And he goes on and on. And I was like, no, no, just relax. I can make mistakes. I'm happy to look at it again. You don't need to be so aggressive about things all the time. I have found personally, and which may be a very skewed version of things, but my sur- my interaction with surgeons have been less than pleasant. But it's definitely got easier since I've become a consultant because then you just say, look, I'm a consultant. And then they're a bit, oh, okay, do you mind having another look? But even then, sometimes you get someone who's very senior, a surgical person. And actually, this, fa- this happened very, this may or may not have happened recently that I wrote a report and there was a hernia of bowel and I actually described like where it was, like I said, look, it's sagittal images and I wrote and named the image number. And I got a phone call. I may have got a phone call from a very senior surgeon. And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What are you talking about? And I was like, I don't understand what you're asking me. And they're like, you said there's a hernia. And, I, and where is it? And I said, like, actually, I've written in the report that if you go to sagittal image, she goes, what does that mean? And I was like, if you're looking for the patient on the side and then you go to this specific image number and then she's like, and she goes, oh yeah. Okay. So you don't have to be so aggressive about it, do you? Like, just be nice. 
even if you it would have been it would have been nice interactions that i'm really sorry but i don't know what you're talking about do you mind just showing me what you're talking about I mean, yeah fine but it was just you clearly got this wrong you don't know what you're talking about yeah. and you show me it's like, all right if you're going to be like that i'm surprised yeah uh, but yeah that's my experience of things yeah fair enough i think that's brought up some interesting nuances which is the kind of roles of a medicine medical versus a surgical consultant and so there mm. is this, because they say that you know, surgeons are more likely to come in and people are saying as surgeons mm. if you think about it procedurally based they're going to be less happy to have like their registrar perform a case if they're worried that the registrar is not going to be capable of performing the case whereas if you're calling a medical consultant in it's not going to be for a procedure it's generally speaking i guess it could be say for cardiology for example but generally speaking it's going to be because of like workload and more patients that need to be seen and clerks and then in that regard you're more likely to lead like another medical junior that's the problem and that they're going to be filling a similar role to the registrar rather than a supervisory role per se. The thing is, I would have thought that if you're a surgeon, you'd like to do surgery. So if there's the opportunity to do surgery, then surely you'd want to come in and do it, no? I thought they fought for these things. They fought for, they fight each other for this stuff. Yeah, so I don't think a surgeon's complaint. I think this is a kind of more of a thing like, has medicine become more, more of a kind of ivory tower as a consultant? So are they less likely to come in because... I don't know. That's I think that's the implication of all this. I wonder why they would need to though, isn't it? Like, why would a medical consultant need to come in? They come make in. a decision. So I have seen it happen where they got called to come in. Really? Say, for example, when the medical take the register like is just completely overwhelmed by the take, and there's just loads and loads of people who are waiting to be seen. Oh yeah, that's fair seen enough. That yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, the wait so mm. long. You need to come in. I've seen it happen where the medical consultants come in and they just come to mm. the patients. Yeah, fair but, enough. But um, there's a nice thread from Joshua Wilcox who kind of describes because cardiology is a nuance and. That often you at the same time yeah, yeah. so if there's mm. a STEMI you call the consultant in the reg don't, don't mm. often do that by themselves and for some certain other procedures you might call them in depending on your skill set so it says anesthetists and surgeons and cardiologists have a very different role and skill set to medical consultants you do a thing to a person to cure them or support them you are better at that thing than your registrar so you come in the inpatient review of a patient by a general medical consultant really adds anything overnight to medical patients care a medical registrar's call more than you realize for remote reviews. Mm. Complex decisions and diagnosis and treatment, ethical and legal issues, the occasional intervention that you don't feel comfortable doing, though an on-call medical consultant are rarely more comfortable with them. For example, I wouldn't mm. have, as a medical registrar, necessarily called a medical consultant to come in to do a chest strain, like thinking that they might be better than me at doing a chest strain, unless they're respiratory, for example. But then that's luck of the draw then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I do remember sometimes mm. calling a medical consultant overnight, being like, I think this person should go to ITU. And if I had like obstruction from ITU thinking, oh, I think this needs to be a consultant to consultant conversation. Mm. I always felt that was odd anyway, because it's like, I'm going to speak to the medical consultant at home. who's not going to have seen the patient to the IT consultant mm. probably also at home. who's not going to have seen the patient. Super weird. But I remember having to yeah, do that. It's a system, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think, so it's what is the medical. So I think that are, and I think people are suggesting that we're arguing that medical consultants don't necessarily need to come in as much because how, what are they adding is somehow because we're trying to protect our position later on as being medical consultants but they say full well that as an interventional consultant i will be coming in for the stemmies and that's part of what i look forward to doing but it's just an interesting kind of conversation though because it's kind of mm. framed as a kind of culture thing whereas i think it's probably been like that for some time but the surgical mm. consultant having to come in that seems to be more historically in the last 20 years whereby in the past oh the old surgical registrar back in the day would do it all kind of thing there you go. Yeah, I don't know, man. But I think with the surgeon, if you enjoy it, come in, mate. Yeah. That's what you signed up for. Yeah, come in. That's what you've got to do. It's not as though you didn't know that could happen. And maybe they didn't and things have changed. But I assume you enjoy your job. That, which is, I, I remember when, obviously, again, I might have a very skewed idea of things. But I do remember when I was doing the surgical jobs, a lot of the job was to try and bat referrals away, if that makes any sense. And, yeah, you were seen to be a good 
junior if you didn't have that much of a list of people to see because you've clearly been batting things away and now when I look back I think but doesn't that seem a bit weird that if there's a potential to do surgery then you'd want to go see that person and maybe do surgery because they seem to fall out over one another over oh, I was going to do that procedure I've got everything ready and now they've gone and jumped in and done the procedure instead of me and that's my experience of things and maybe it was skewed but I just I don't know man if you're doing a job I assume you like it so why would you avoid doing that job like a referral if you if someone says oh can you have a look at this patient it's all right it's my job yeah i happily look let's do it i go i've come around as soon as i can yeah i don't know i think yeah. the kind of situation fails when it's just like an overwhelming number of those things to do but also often those referrals aren't always necessarily what you think or what you expect to be part of your specialty do you know what i mean like sometimes mm. obviously if you're i know full well that if i are coming up towards the end of a really busy shift even if they're referring like a bond or ACS, I still will be stressed because I'll be like, I just want a minute to just not do anything, just to sit here in silence. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just in a dark room and be like, please, please God, can I just have silence? Can I just not? Yeah, like, <laughs> like the sound of my phone will literally let me like jump and my heart rate goes up to 200. That's why I have five Aww. minutes to just not listen to any noise at all. But but then I've got also, to say, I don't know how you guys do what you do. I've, I've, there's a reason I didn't do any of that. It's just my mind can take it. It couldn't take that kind of, nah, that battering couldn't do it i can barely do what i do right now without feeling overwhelmed <laughs> i thought like so yeah. i've been a registrar since 2013 so quite a long time now just meandering yeah. through training and doing my research and stuff and i still so i was on call monday and tuesday i've had wednesday and thursday off and i'm on call this weekend but tuesday was horrendous it was so busy and at the end mm. of the shift the very end literally like 8 15 the shift ends at like, it's handover 8 45 primary comes in and I got to do it. I ended up staying late. Oh, nice. But I loved it. I loved it. Like, even though okay. so the whole day had been just taken absolute battering, absolute battering. Like, so I, had, I had my lunch at 12 and I left my protein bar on my desk thinking I'll get to it at some point, like kind of afternoon snack. And like one of the other regs mm. like texted me, like, oh, it looked really nice. It's like peanut butter and jelly protein bar. So I ate it and I'm like, Oh, I ate my protein bar. What? Anyway, yeah, yeah, he ate my protein bar. <laughs> anyway, so I did that primary and I was like, actually, you know what, it was a good day. I remember like, on the way home being like, oh, that was a good day. And then thinking back being like, no, the day was terrible, but I got to do a primary at the end, so that was cool. But like, it was enough to lift the day for me. Okay. But it's funny, isn't yeah, it? Like, the things that kind of make you whatever. I don't know, should I say this? Okay, so I know, I remember when I was a reg, and if I came to the list and looked like there was loads of scans, like my heart would sink a bit. Oh, God, <laughs> so much work to do. But now that there's a monetary value added to that many scans you come in and you think sweet yeah. <laughs> keep giving them keep throwing them at me yep i'll keep doing it. oh there's more scans more phone calls yes i will happily talk to you about whatever scan you wish to have of course dollar keep bringing it my way oh, fair enough the dollar signs come uh, through your eyes exactly it makes it much more manageable Should i wonder um, whether that'd be the same thing yeah go on should we do some festival stuff yeah, go on then. Are, have you saved this one for me? You, when you oh, no, it's not, like that. it's not like that. Okay, it's... fine. Okay. See. I told my wife I lost my sense of smell three weeks when I had COVID so I could pretend I didn't know the baby needed a nappy change. I didn't even. <laughs> I love someone's put a little yellow card and it's only yellow. Can you see that underneath? Oh, yeah. <laughs> With a C word, which I will not be saying. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. So... I've been every now and again on the fest holes, I've got these really good like memes underneath. And yeah, I've been saving a lot of those. Yeah. yeah. Here's one that says, every day a colleague sends an increasingly frustrated reply to a group email. This could be the NHS, actually. You always get all someone who gets angry. Please, can you get rid of this reply? All the Anyway, ask you to be removed from the distribution list. I could do that, but I want to see whether he loses the plot. Because you do get some really irate replies, and sometimes I want to reply to the irate one, but 
Honestly, we get that all the time, isn't it? I think if something happened and then someone was like, well, as a doctor, I will not be doing such a thing. And they went on and on. I was like, okay, okay, we get it. So stop clicking on reply or at the same time, you also, I'm clearly enjoying it because I'm reading through the entire thread to see what else people are saying about each other yeah, and to yeah. each other and about this particular situation. A bit like Twitter, but in-house, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Minus Elon Musk. Right, cool. It's nice to be back. Cool. Welcome, welcome yeah. back to both of us doing the podcast together. It's been a great week. Obviously, we both support the the nurses' strike. Do yeah, keep going. Yeah, so... Do not give in. Do not give in for anything apart from what exactly yeah. what you want. You are in charge yeah. of your own destiny. As Hope you get a nineteen percent pay rise. You guys deserve it. You deserve hundred percent pay rise is what you want. Exactly yeah. is what we're saying. All right, cool. All right, so have a good week, everyone. I'll speak to you next week and try and be nice to each other, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, take Bye. care. Bye.